Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the podcast of a woman named Rad and a man named Paul. Welcome to Game for Anything. Hey, I'm Rad. And I'm Paul. Today on Game for Anything, Microsoft throw 1,900 employees out the windows. <laughs> See, windows. Microsoft is actually very upsetting. Uh, Apple is finally letting third parties take a bite of the Apple, which is them, with the introduction of alternative marketplaces. And dickheads with AI image generators have come for Taylor Swift. Yes, we certainly have opinions. And Rad, it's really, really sad. You're right. It is sad when people get fired. And it's a very bad time to work in games. I mean, every day I seem to wake up and check Twitter and I just see all these people in the games industry lamenting the sudden jettisoning of talented people into the world of unemployment. This has been happening a lot lately, right? It certainly has across the board. Big companies, indies. uh, We're talking about Microsoft today because I think that's probably the most significant uh, company that has had this thing happen recently. But Mm. also uh, League of Geeks in Australia, incredible indie developer, had to let uh, a whole team go not too long ago. And Riot Games, uh, the developers of League of Legends and Valorant, have let a whole bunch of people go as well but paul microsoft what has happened okay so three months ago a little over three months ago microsoft got out of this huge court case where they were basically fighting with regulators around the world to try and clear this 68.7 billion dollar acquisition of activision blizzard it was the biggest deal of its kind that the gaming industry has seen full stop period and the regulators were trying to fight really hard because uh this was a merger that they were concerned was breaking antitrust laws and antitrust laws obviously are laws that stop uh monopolies effectively so companies gobbling up smaller companies getting rid of competition in the industry and creating yeah literally like monocle wearing top hat wearing monopolies <laughs> i don't know why they call it antitrust when calling it like anti-competition would or like pro-competition no i was gonna say there's got to be a better term <laughs> but i don't know what it is so i take it back antitrust is fine everything i learned about antitrust i learned from the i think 2001 era uh, techno thriller starring ryan Philippe and rachel lee cook um, did you ever see antitrust? It, it, I mean, I, don't, I had to Google the definition, so I don't think it taught me much. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it about hacking? Yeah, it was about, it was about basically, it was like a, a thriller about a Microsoft-like company buying up smaller companies. And we haven't learned anything from that film, clearly. Was that the one where he's allergic to peanuts and then he's worried that his girlfriend, who, like, works for the company and he finds yep. that out, he's worried that she's going to kill him with peanuts. So she's cooked this meal and he's, like, really stressed and he scratches his arm with a fork and dips his finger in the sauce and like rubs it on the scratch to see if he gets any allergic reaction and it's like this really tense scene and she's like in the kitchen then she comes back and then he's like checking his arm to see if it's okay she sits in his lap and like 
scoops some food to feed it to him and while like the spoon's coming towards his mouth like the airplane he's looking at his arm to see if it's if it's bad and it's fine and then he takes the the food and he's like "Mm, mm, mm," and then she like hugs him and says she loves him or something because she's been turned and she actually genuinely is invested in the relationship now i think that's i think that's the same film that's the only thing that i remember okay so i've googled antitrust peanut allergy and i'm not getting anything but i'm getting getting <laughs> so if you imagine an entire thriller based around an allergy around peanut by the way that is a, if, if that's not in the film that's a genuinely thrilling moment it's in a film i promise you it's in a film it just may not be antitrust but anyway i digress <laughs> this, I, look, yes microsoft okay so microsoft have done this thing where they have basically just fired so many people, about 8% of the 22,000 employees from their gaming division. Now, most of the layoffs are in the Activision Blizzard camp, and obviously that's the camp that was brought over during this merger, but it's also going to include people from the Xbox games division and ZeniMax employees as well. And the Blizzard president, Mike Yabara, who's worked at Microsoft before this job for like 20 years, he's leaving the company, and Microsoft is canning this uh, big survival game that Blizzard was working on and it was in early stages of development. So it's it's really, I mean, it's absolutely horrifying news. And frankly, it makes me wonder why anyone would want to get into working in the games industry in the first place. Have Microsoft given any explanation of why they've you know made these changes? They released a statement and it was mostly just apologies. But one of the uh, biggest explanations that have come out is that during COVID, a lot of games companies brought on a lot of new employees, right? And now that the industry has apparently, you know, auto-corrected and gone back down to normal levels, they've had to cut all the fat. So there was a massive, massive burst of employee intake. I don't know if I completely buy that. I mean, what do you think? Activision Blizzard are only a gaming company. It's mm. not like Microsoft acquired Microsoft Mini, which is a company that does gaming as well as other software, other hardware. Yeah. So they're buying into gaming. They're buying into people who make this incredible kind of technology meets art uh, product. And that is risk. That, in a way, that is fat in itself because it is a luxury and a cultural product. Art is fat, right? Art yeah. is fat. I'm sorry. Art is fat. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like fat. It's delicious. And it's what makes life worth living, don't you think, Paul? Winston Churchill said, you know, uh, in regards to art, he said, this is what we're fighting for. Like, what are you not... I mean, he wasn't talking about fat or games because they didn't exist at that point. (laughs) But you really do. Look, it costs a lot to invest in things that don't see dividends straight away. But part of the reason we have a games industry at all is because of the decades where it was basically a scrappy arts-based kind of, you know, it's a tipping point where it's gone from art to money. And that's always a bit of a dicky subject. But I think now that this um, merger has gone through and that the FTC and other people have let the merger happen and three months later, you know, one trimester later, this huge gutting of employees has happened. I'm hoping that what this means is it sets a precedent for future mergers where they can actually point at this and go, aha, last time we let this happen, 1,900 people, 8% of the employees got let go. By the way, one of the other uh, things that they've suggested, which I think is actually more interesting and more existentially threatening, Rad, and something that speaks to your area of expertise, is that generative AI is going to be a huge problem moving forward for employment in an industry which can actually get away with, shouldn't, but can get away with using AI. And Microsoft are a particularly interesting company for this area because recently 
uh, their program Microsoft Designer has been implicated. I say implicated. The people that did the thing straight up said that this is what they use uh, <laughs> to make fake porn of Taylor Swift that has been slapped all over Twitter. Okay. This is horrifying. It absolutely is. So there's been a couple of images that have been generated by a group that apparently just do this, uh, a little telegram group, um, and some of it got posted onto Twitter and went viral. And within this group, they were kind of having a bit of a laugh about it. But in 17 hours, for example, one of the more major images garnered over 45 million views 24,000 retweets and hundreds of thousands of likes and bookmarks before the verified account that posted it was suspended. 17 hours is a very long time. Like this was up for a while and seen by many, many people. It's not the only image that was made and put up. There's been a few and they just haven't been taken down very quickly at all. I was at the gym this morning and uh, I think morning TV was on and there was a story about this and they had this list of ways to, and I don't know how useful these are, but ways that the common person can kind of tell the difference between real and fake in this respect. And I was reading the list going, I don't think that's going to be a problem for much longer. I mean, how convincing is this tech and what legal recourse do Taylor Swift and her people have? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It almost doesn't need to be a hundred percent convincing yeah. because half the time people aren't they aren't pixel peeping they're not going oh does the hand look weird or whatever um and they don't necessarily yet potentially have mm. a developed eye to see a generated image off the bat but at the same time it doesn't really matter whether people think it's a hundred percent real or not what matters is that image is out there, very, very realistic, very yeah. vivid, and it's in people's minds. So in the same way that, you know, sometimes we see something funny, like the Pope in the puffy jacket, which was one of the hero images of the early <laughs> days of AI image generation. Yeah. Um, we all know it's not real now, but it still lives in my mind rent free. I'm still going to see a white <laughs> puffy jacket and go, that's given Pope. I think it is real. I think it is real. We've been lied to. It's a red dress. It's a blue dress, silver dress, whatever that f***ing dress was, right? It's, it, But it's harmless, right? Like, it is completely harmless. But if people take that same attitude with something that isn't harmless, that's mm. a really, really big deal. And apparently Taylor Swift's team is looking into, you know, what uh, legal recourse they can take. But it's a really, really sticky subject because, you know, do you go after the image generation programs mm -hmm. and say you're not doing enough to stop these images from being made or do you go after the social media platforms where they're being posted and proliferated but to be very clear twitter does have a prohibited policy on non-consensual nudity they're saying we're not okay with this we we don't want you to post it we're going to take it down yeah. but as always enforcement seems to be the issue in fact, it feels like Swifties themselves have done more to bury the image by posting safe for work content of like Taylor just performing or whatever using the same search terms because Twitter's version of blocking the search was blocking the terms Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift AI in what seems to be exact phrases. What? So if you were to search Taylor AI Swift, it would still yield results. I mean, that is her middle name. Look, it really does. This is... <laughs> This seems like, uh, look, I know that since the uh, Elon Musk takeover, Twitter has become a bit, well, it's generous to say loosey-goosey with its enforcement of things, right? But do you think being so prescriptive and specific with its blocks, it was kind of 
not giving enough of a shit or do you think this was them earnestly trying to do the right thing? Surely it's them not giving a shit. I mean, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're smart enough to... (laughs) Smart enough to implement, like, and or rather than just exact terms. I mean, I guess I can kind of see you don't want to stop people from searching for... Taylor Lautner, for example. You don't want to block all Taylor searches. But look, I'm not I'm not the expert in that particular area, yeah. but I do simply feel like they could have done better. And I do think with the amount of AI tools that are coming at people's disposal, surely those tools can be used more effectively as well for the kind of uh, takedown side of things, not just the creation side of things. Regardless of that, though, if you do have a dedicated team of human people, and while that takes more man hours and effort and money, if you have those people, they can find an image that has gotten 45 million views sooner than 17 hours. There should be a team of people doing this. And can I just say, I know we laugh at Swifties occasionally, we impugn them, we even fear them, but when they pull their resources to do something as wholesome as helping out Taylor Swift deal with what is ostensibly revenge porn of a kind, that is the best possible use of the internet, and I salute them. And despite what her music says, uh, in this case, she is definitely not the problem. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, just quickly before our next story, I was looking up a website that uh, that talks about allergies as depicted in feature films, and there's an entry here on antitrust, character with allergy, Milo Hoffman, allergy, <gasps> sesame. Milo fears his girlfriend is trying to kill him oh, by sesame. adding sesame seeds to the Chinese food and administers a quick allergy test at a romantic dinner by scratching himself with a fork and rubbing on some of the brown sauce. <laughs> see? See? <laughs> My memory may be uh, a bit strange in that that is literally the only thing I remember about that film. However, it was not incorrect, other than what he was allergic to. No, you're right. You got the details mostly correct. And you know someone else that got the details mostly correct, but f***ed up in a very, very (laughs) specific way, is the Japanese space agency. So... First, I'll start with the good news, Rab. On Saturday, at 20 minutes past midnight Japanese Standard Time, the Japanese Space Agency became only the fifth space agency nationally to achieve what is called a soft touchdown on the moon. Uh, The other countries to pull this off are India, the Soviet Union, China, and the US. And apparently, I should say in their defense, apparently it's very hard to pull this off. Well, bless Japan for making sure that they touch the moon softly. Just caress it and just go away. Well, (laughs) she's had a hard life and I feel like we should really be, you know, taking care. They sent a large animatronic hand up to just stroke her face quietly. And then, (laughs) look, in truly embarrassing news... Here's what's happened. Let me talk you through what happened. Okay, so the spacecraft was called Slim, and it was coming down on its landing, and uh, it came down and... Softly. Softly. (laughs) Coming down on its soft landing. And what they do before the landing is they jettison this small orb, uh, like a little... 
It's called Sora Q. It's a tiny baseball-sized robot that gets ejected just before the touchdown so that when the touchdown happens, the robot can sort of take photos and film the touchdown from third person. It's a really cute idea. So it's essentially the drone camera from Outer Wilds. That is exactly what it is. That's cool. Yeah, it pops out its cool little Sora Q robot. And then what happens is it rotates 90 degrees by mistake and it lands on its nose and it's upside down. (laughs) It's like completely upside down. And it took pictures of the floor? No, to be clear, the camera took a perfectly clear photo of the lander itself landing on its nose. And part of the problem, Rad, is the solar panels that charge it that let it lift itself back up are on its nose. So it's lying there completely unable to flip itself over. It's so sad. It's so sad. Wait, wait, when you say it's nose, yeah. so we're talking like a Millennium Falcon or like uh, X-Wing style craft where yeah. you drive it forward. Like it's a, like a car. I was thinking a rocket ship oh, like right. in Wallace and Gromit where the yeah. nose is the top. Uh, yeah, it kind of is that. But imagine the nose at the top in Wallace and Gromit where the moon is made of cheese. The nose is flat. Right, so it's landed on its flat uh-huh. nose, but the nose because the nose is where the all the all the um the solar panels are, so it's completely cut off from being able to get back up. Okay, when you said ninety degrees, yeah, that's that's what's confused me. Did you mean one hundred and eighty? I don't know I'm, why this matters so much to me, but I need to know this to visualize. Look, I'm reading their statements, which by the way are so playing this down. So what they said is an abnormality in the main engine affected the landing attitude of the spacecraft, and then they're claiming <laughs> that it pulled. A, so it's not meant to. Yeah, it's it's abnormality, guys. It's it's all fucked up. So basically, this poor thing—it's a historic landing—and apparently, the objective was to land. Right, that was it. Everything else is a bonus. But they were hoping to be able to get the rocket back. So now what they're hoping is that as the sun rotates around the moon, for those brief minutes where it's kind of parallel with the horizon, it's just going to give little bits of juice incrementally, and maybe they can boop it back up. Why was there a mission? Where the only plan is to land softly. That sounds like an incredible waste of resources to me. Can I just say, I think that's bullshit. I think they wanted to do a lot more and they're like, no, no, we meant to do this. This is exactly this. Was like <laughs> the limit. Now, obviously. Just look, visiting. Just visiting. Just, no, no, this is fine. Guys, this is fine. We, I think they had like a low threshold, a low bar. Now, apparently only half of attempts to actually land softly on the moon succeed. So what they've done is they've technically crossed that Rubicon, but now they're going to try and get this thing back. I don't know whether they're going to like fly a machine out and try and get one of those skill tester claws to pick it up but it's comforting (laughs) to know it's comforting to know that even the most high-tech endeavors can uh succumb to not wanting to get out of bed in the morning we've all had that feeling we just can't get up and we're too sad slim's just depressed and i I wish it luck and the sun needs to be coming in at exactly the right angle parallel to the horizon in order to give us enough juice yeah in minutes increments to get us out of bed and if it doesn't get us up at that point we're in bed the rest of the day so I salute you, Slim. You sad, weird little ship. Now, Paul, there is no segue available to me here <laughs> on this earth or the next uh, to get into the next story. So I'm just going to do it. Uh, <laughs> Apple are going to be allowing third-party stores on iPhone, on iOS, for the first time with the iOS 17.4 update due in March for the EU. Now, the EU is known for being quite permissive in certain areas in regards to things like, you know, 
pornography and whatnot. Is this going to open up a terrifying wild west of apps that shouldn't be on phones? Well, this isn't about that kind of permissiveness. This is actually about EU regulation because EU are one of the toughest regulators when it comes to things like antitrust. So this is in response to the EU Digital Markets Act. And basically they've said, and they've been having this argument for a while. um, Mm. They've said Apple are taking too big of a slice of the cake. They're stopping innovation. They're stopping small creators by only allowing the official uh, Apple App Store in order to download apps to the iPhone. So they're saying you now need to allow sideloading, which is installing third-party software. Uh, And in the case of iPhone, it's something that didn't come from the capital A App Store. Uh, And so they're going to now allow you to install other app stores slash marketplaces from third-party websites. You basically go and say it's it's called Black Market. You go into blackmarket.com. This is not real. Don't do it. Uh, And download their store, put it on your iPhone, and then you agree to let it download apps to your phone and agree to any associated risks. And then off you go. They can put apps of their choice there. And, and that's how you get them instead. I know a while back you mentioned that uh, the EU were really pissed at Apple for the charges and the ports being slightly different and incompatible. Is this in any mm. way related to that uh, skirmish in the courts? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Yes, in that it's EU versus Apple in a way, <laughs> and it's their regulations inflicting really, really big change in the company. Like, this is not something that Apple were down for. And at the moment, it doesn't sound like something they're planning on rolling out globally. It's just going to be EU where they have those strict regulations. But it's not directly linked to that battle. There's many, many battles that Apple Mm. are fighting on many fronts. Um, It is, if anything, it's kind of more related to the enormous Epic versus Apple lawsuit that happened, uh, which basically was Epic saying, you need to allow third-party payments within apps on your platform Mm -hmm. because Apple take a huge cut from apps getting payments on the app store 30% in fact um and that's that's a lot of money lost and they were basically saying you can't direct users to another place to buy stuff that they're then going to use on apps on our platform. Gotcha. Which is what Epic were doing. I mean, to that end, I actually also heard whispers that this means that now you're going to be able to have alternative browsers on the iPhone. So you're going to be able to have browsers that aren't just Safari. So you can already have uh, other browsers, but the changes that they're making are you're going to be able to have essentially a different version of Firefox or Chrome that's like more fully fledged. Like previously there were more restrictions on those browsers Mm. and Apple are going to need to introduce some sort of mechanism via which they present the option of another browser more obviously to users. So (laughs) previously you just, you get the iPhone, like Safari's there, like that's it. Now it's going to theoretically, we haven't seen yet, exactly how they're gonna lay it out but theoretically Mm. a pop-up that comes up and says please set your default browser here are your options and they've also kind of implied that they're planning to give a bit of information perhaps on the pros and cons of different browsers um, and showcase sort of the top downloaded browsers within their app store like a sommelier coming up and offering you different wines and just kind of they'll heavily imply that you should be drinking the safari cordon bleu but you really you can try what you want right (laughs) exactly exactly and theory goes that uh it's 
more likely that people will see this pop up, be like, ah, go away and just like do whatever is default and thus Mm. stick on Safari anyway. And regulators will apparently be keeping a close eye on how Apple present this information with the view of trying to make sure that it genuinely seems fair. And fair is a really, really difficult term to throw around in these kinds of cases Mm. because what truly is fair when you're talking (laughs) about uh, big tech kind of monopolizing spaces. But I also want to point out that there are changes to the fee structures that Apple are going to be introducing um, with this third-party marketplace kind of switch up that is not necessarily advantageous to anyone else. So for example, they're introducing a 0.5 euro core technology fee for apps with over a million downloads that really adds up yeah and they're requiring a letter of credit from an a-rated financial institution to the tune of one million euro to be able to open up an alternative marketplace so this is obviously going to be a pretty high bar to clear for lots of people i mean i'm interested in the implications because every time there is a sort of uh like a region-specific tech innovation, software innovation, whatever, there tend to be knock-on effects. So you're saying EU only, but I'm imagining that this is going to filter down in some way to the other markets eventually, right? I really think that that's a have-to-wait-and-see. I think that happens more frequently in hardware because of just manufacturing. It can get a little bit more complicated to have different manufacturing for different regions, although they do do that. But with this kind of change... I don't know that it's advantageous for Apple to do. And so I think they're going to continue to be resistant unless other areas and regulators come forward and they're like, oh, we want that too. We kind of saw it with um, all of the news licensing and payment lawsuits and kerfuffle that happened (laughs) a couple (laughs) years back with Australia. If you remember Australia being like, oh, we'll just block Google in Australia if you're not going to pay the news sites for their content. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there was a, I would say, like very weak kind of bargaining system that was brought in. And that has had some flow on effects to different regions. There have been other agreements that have been put in place um, in other countries. Mm. But yeah, I'm not sure that uh, historically we have haven't ever really seen massive reform and i have a feeling i have a feeling that big tech will continue to flex its muscles find the loopholes and not necessarily have to make any changes that are as meaningful as we think they might when these lawsuits first come into play. This ties into really interestingly to the antitrust stuff we've been talking about, actually. I mean, Safari is not the most robust browser there is, but if they're forced to include more kind of fully fleshed out versions of things like Chrome and Firefox or Netscape or whatever, maybe they will actually uh, innovate. And maybe this is a really great example of what antitrust laws can do. There are labor union members on most of the big uh, boards of European companies, so they really don't like this shit. Uh, And I'm guessing the court case didn't involve anyone being poised by sesame but i mean you never you never know you never know look can't confirm or deny i was not in the courtroom (laughs) well that's it for this episode unless one of us contracts a highly suspicious allergic reaction this week we will see you later on this week for another episode of game for anything but thank you so much for listening and uh, we will see you soon bye everyone
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.